Turn in your Bible, let's see, to Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to catch this, this verse. We're going we're gonna to begin again. We're going to continue talking about winning the bitterness battle in our life. And so when you're in Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to say, I got it, Pastor. All right, anybody else? I'm not there. I should have been there. I should have had there. There we go. I'm about there. Uh, I'm talking and not doing. I got it. Uh, and so we began last Wednesday night, and it's a four-part series uh, on winning the bitterness battle. Now, let me just give you a little review from last week, because many of you may not have been here. Uh, uh, let me read these verses, and then I'll just share a couple of things about last Wednesday night. And then jump into this Wednesday night and we'll just continue on. The scripture says in verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We learned last week that, that we'll be able to uh, fellowship or, or, or have a personal walk with God. Uh, that's really what that means. Uh, it has nothing necessarily to do, uh, uh, with, uh, your eternity unless uh, you just never uh, ask Christ into your heart. But but how many of you know if you're not at peace with other people and you're not walking in holiness, it's hard to be right with God, right? It's impossible. And then he says, looking carefully. Everyone say, looking carefully. Now, that's an interesting word. It, it It's a, a derivative of episkopos. Everyone say episkopos. I said, everyone say episkopos. You know, now, let me tell you where where that word is used, episkopos, because this is not exactly it, it's overseer. When you see uh, in many different places where it talks about the bishop, uh, uh, you know, those kind of church leadership, it's episkopos, the overseer. How many of you have some people you work for who are, in a sense, your episkopos, your overseers? Anybody? Are y'all? Okay, there you go. Well, here's what he's saying. He's saying, now, You've got to oversee some things in your life. You've got to be the episkopos, the overseer of your life, okay? Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, in other words, overseeing and, and, and tending to your life carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, everyone say root of bitterness, Root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Father, thank you for the word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Just a little insight about where this series was birthed in my heart. I was with a, a pastors and lay leaders and 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 ministry with Dr. David Shibley. A, a, gosh, probably close to a month ago now, and just some great uh, impartation not only from him but other key leaders in our nation. Uh, and uh, David Shibley said this about bitterness. He said it's the silent killer. He said, we, we hear about all these other things, and he named the obvious things that kill ministry and kill futures and destiny. He said, but the root of bitterness is the silent killer. And when he said that, man, it ignited in my heart, and I said, if it's the silent killer, then I can't be silent. And so that's basically how it was born. And as a result, you know, when I began to learn about something, you know what I do? When I, think, when I want to know something more about something, you know what I do? I Google it. 
Uh, and when I Googled Root of Bitterness, guess who popped up? Robert Morris. And he had a message on the Root of Bitterness. It was a great message. I would encourage you to go look at it. It, it inspired me in some areas. Uh, and uh, he basically, basically said the Root of Bitterness is the, is the, is the, 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 the foundational beginning of all trouble and trauma and sin in our life. And so with that in mind, we kind of looked at that a little bit. We looked last week at the source of bitterness. It comes right from the devil because he was the first sinner. Did you know the devil, Lucifer was the first sinner? Adam and Eve sinned, but hey, he was the first one. In a sense, he got bitter against God. And so he approaches Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, and he gets them to believe God's holding out on them, and he's not giving them everything they deserve, everything that is rightfully there. And in a sense, he births a root of bitterness in them against God. He said, "If God, hey, listen, God knows the day you do this, all these benefits are going to come to you. So he's holding out on you. And so then we looked at Cain. Man, Cain, he got so bitter he killed his brother he did god he did he was bitter against god because god didn't honor his sacrifice and then we looked at jacob and esau in fact esau when the writer of hebrews thought about something the epitome of bitterness he brought up esau how many of you know uh that's not really how probably esau hoped his future would play out uh that that he would be defined in scripture uh, you know, as the most bitter person on planet earth ever in the history. I mean, that's what Hebrew says. Esau, he was so bitter against his dad, against his mom. He was just a bitter man. Uh, and we'll talk more about him. And so then we learned that it, uh, that it defiles and it's passed down from, from person to person. How many of you know bitterness is very contagious? It, it says by it, many become defiled. And it is a sickness. And we talked about the, the, the gall of bitterness, the bitter. In fact, we use this illustration. I'll mention it again, uh, in just a moment where Jesus on the cross, I love this. Jesus on the cross refused bitterness, both in a natural perspective and in a spiritual perspective. What they give him to drink? Gall, which is bitterness. And he tasted it, but he didn't partake of it. Listen, we're all going to taste it. We're all going to have the opportunity to drink from the, from the bitter cup of bitterness and, and, and poison our life and poison our families. Jesus didn't do that. And by the way, Jesus didn't drink it on any other level because he, what did he say on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so it's a sickness that, uh, if it invades our life, it just invades every area of our life. And then we began to talk about the solution. How many of you appreciate the solution? Man, in fact, last week was kind of bitter. I mean, it was, it was tough to kind of hammer through all that. But then I read Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, where he says, Let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he starts talking about forgiving one another and loving one another and, 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 and turn this thing around. How many of you know, it doesn't matter how bitter you are, you can turn this thing around. All right. So that was last week. So today, and I mentioned this last week, but today we're going to look at the life of Joseph because Joseph, when you look at his life, in fact, I would encourage you this week, how many of you will just obey me here right now, just this week, read the life of Joseph. I think it begins in Genesis, maybe 36. In fact, let me just go, let me find, I think it's 36 or 7. 
uh, and just read through the end of Genesis and read about the life of Joseph. Yeah, it's 37, 37 where he comes into play. And we're going to look at him in a moment uh, because he refused to drink uh, the bitterness. And let me just tell you, here's the focus of, of tonight. Winning the bitterness battle all comes down to choices. Somebody say choices. And if you think about your life and you think about the opportunities you've had to be bitter, how many of you know we choose to drink? We choose to partake. Now, some of us may be, may have been a little naive when, when, when someone invaded our world with their bitterness and it began to poison us. Then we realized, am I going to ponder this and listen to this and partake? Am I going to let their bitterness get off on me? It all comes down to choices. And that's what Jesus modeled on the cross. And when he said, Father, and I love, I love, you know, when we think we're victorious over bitterness, we do this. Well, Lord, forgive them. But we, but that's really no, no, that's not, how many of you know God, that God's forgiveness of them is between, I mean, that's them and God. We say, Lord, forgive them. That, that's the wrong prayer. Lord, I choose to forgive them. How many of you know forgiveness is a choice? And it all comes down to choices. And I love what Jesus did on the cross. He said, and, and, and this, this, this kind of epitomizes his purity of heart. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, he, he just cared about it. He said, they just don't know what they're doing. That's why they're doing what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And he just loved them enough, even though they were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do what they do, what they're doing. And so he just cared for people and he forgave them. And so it all comes down to choices. Everyone say choices. And living free from the poisonous root of bitterness, it really is a series of righteous lifestyle choices. It's a lifestyle. How many of you know forgiveness is a choice, but then it's a lifestyle? Are you with me? In fact, you know, when we say we forgive, well, I forgive them, but I'm certainly not going to forget it, bless God. That, I don't believe there was ever really any forgiveness in the first place. That's just some kind of pseudo, uh, you know, Christianese that is really not, not valid and right. I mean, when we really forgive somebody, we really do forgive somebody and we release that. Because if we don't, let me tell you what happens. Unforgiveness is the spawning ground for bitterness. Okay. So we'll talk more about that later. But Joseph, Never drank. Now, before we get into Genesis with Joseph, with this thought in mind, it's a series of lifestyle, righteous lifestyle choices. Staying free from the root of bitterness, not allowing it to set up residence in your heart is based on lifestyle choices. Everyone say lifestyle choices. Now, let's read this scripture again in light of that. Now, put it in your head. What are we talking about? Bitterness or the lack thereof is either sets up residence in our heart by the choices we make or is refused and, 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 and uprooted out of our life by the righteous choices we make. Let's just start in verse 12 just to show you how these, that, that most everything has to do with the choices we make based upon what Christ has done for you. Therefore, verse 12, strengthen the hands which hang down. How many of you know that's a choice? 
How many feel God can strengthen? Lord, I'm just waiting for a, you to strengthen my life. No, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, why don't you cooperate and you strengthen those hands that hang down and make, uh, and, and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. How many of you know that's a choice? Look at your neighbor and say, those are choices we make. If we wander after we've given our life to Christ and we wander here and there, it's, it's because we choose to. You see, before you were born again, you were a slave to sin. You got me? Do you feel me? We were slaves to sin. And then after we're born again, we're not slaves to sin. We're slaves to God. And if we do sin, we sin because we, somebody say it, choose. Say it out loud. Choose. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's a choice. It's a choice we make. So he said, make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people. What's he saying? Pursue right relationships with all people. How many of you know that's, a, say it out loud, a, a choice. And pursue holiness. How many of you know that's a It's a choice. It's a lifestyle choice without which no one will see or have a right relationship with God. Looking carefully, overseeing, being the overseer of your own life, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Then, of course, he talks about Esau who made some really bad choices because of his bitterness issue. Let me tell you something. The root of bitterness will cause you to make a lot of stupid mistakes. How many of you know there's consequences? Everybody say consequences. So, so it's a, it's a series of lifestyle choices that we make. And so you look at the life of Joseph and I, and again, I want you to read, read Genesis 30. Did I say 37 or is it 36? Read through 37 to the end. We're just going to do a synopsis of it tonight because this guy, he, hey, this guy refused to be bitter. He did not let bitterness into his life. He showed no signs of bitterness in his life. He never drank the gall. He may have, t- I'm sure he tasted it. How many of you know when he was down, uh, uh, when his uh, brothers uh, threw him in a pit? How many of you know he probably tasted a little of it? But when you look at his life, you know, hey, he did not. Uh, uh, partake. He did not allow it to invade his life. He never allowed bitterness to set up shop in his heart. And if there was anybody in Scripture who should have had a license, you know, a free pass to be bitter and not suffer the consequences, how many of you know if your brothers throw you in a pit and they're going to kill you and tell tell their daddy and God that a lion got you, that, hey, you ought to have a free license to be bitter and angry. And Joseph never showed any signs of that, that it ever set up a shop. Evidently, evidently, he had a way of, of like the writer of Hebrews, of overseeing his own life. We're responsible for what sets up residence in our heart. We are the overseers of our life. I thought God is the overseer of our life. Yeah, but we partner with Him about these right choices or these wrong choices we make. We're not, we're not robots, right? God created us as people of choice. 
And we choose right or we choose wrong. We choose to be the overseer of our soul. And we look carefully or we don't. We put a blind eye, you know, and we just walk, uh, you know, naively into the trap and naively drink the poison and just, and, and, and think somehow it's not going to affect us. Joseph, he made a serious, it's just, it's just a phenomenal illustration of a young man. In fact, uh, you pick up his story in uh, as a 17-year-old son. Now, uh, his brothers had a right to be bitter. They were bitter brothers. How many of you got any bitter brothers? You got bitter brothers? They were bitter brothers. You know why they were bitter brothers? Because daddy was a chose favorites. He was his favorite because he was the son of his youth. He made him a special coat just to show all the other brothers how special he was to them. And so they were bitter against their father and they were bitter against Joseph so much so that they were willing to commit murder of their own brother. Now that's a bitter man. That's a bunch of bitter brothers. That sounds like a tongue twister. Bitter, bitter brothers wasn't better. The bitter brothers were no good. No good. They were bitter. And then Joseph, now whether he was naive or not, he has the dream that basically says, one day y'all are all going to come down and bow before me and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be uh, up here. You're going to be down there. And it just made him more bitter. In fact, daddy heard it and he says, hush that up. Don't say anything. At least daddy had enough common sense that it says he pondered these things in her, in his heart. But they were so bitter. That you know the story, Joseph was, was, uh, they threw him in a pit. They were gonna, they were gonna kill him. And then I think it was Reuben. I can't remember. One of the brothers had a little bit of compassion. And, but then his money got, you know, his, his desire for money kind of got in the way. Here come the, Egypt, uh, the Egyptians, right? Sold him into Egypt. And they bought him as a slave. They sold him off as a slave. Made a little money off their little brother. They killed a, an animal. I think it was a goat or something. And, and put blood on the coat of many colors and they went back and told daddy, daddy, it's just terrible. A lion or what I, I can't remember then. Came out and he's dead. Here's the proof he's dead. Now that, my friend, is, is sick. That's sick. Is that not sick? You want to know? Let me just tell you something. Let me pause you. Remember we talked about this actual, this, this wormwood that, uh, it's an actual poison. And it'll, and, and they tried to use it as medication back in the 20th century, and it causes hallucinations and, and just, you know, craziness in people's life. It just made people do things they didn't want to do. I'm telling you, bitterness is just like that. It's sick. Okay? So Joseph, in the middle of all that, he didn't let bitterness invade his world. He, Oh, he, lo he looked carefully. He oversaw his life carefully. Now listen, when it comes to this root of bitterness, you better look into your life. And, and let me just say tonight, in, in this room right here, if you've got bitterness in your life, man, don't try to hide it. Don't try to deny it. Don't try to, uh, uh, you know, play like it's not there. Because I'm telling you, it will not stop till it has you and has everybody around you. Do you get that? It's cancerous. 
It's defiling. It's staining. In fact, that word defile, you remember? It's to stain, to dye into another color, not D-I-E, but D-Y-E. You'll just become a whole nother color. You'll just be stained by this and you'll stain everybody around you. So, with that in mind, let's look at Joseph. Whew, you ready to see some things Joseph did, some lifestyle choices he made, all of which I think conspired together to guard his heart against bitterness. The first one that I want to show you tonight, in fact, go over to Genesis 39 uh, and, and just look, let's look at it. The first choice that I believe uh, that Joseph made. Now, I, I can't I can't tell you where and when, but at an early age, He began to interact with God on some level and began to develop some form of, of, of commitment to, to, I started to say to Christ, but to God. Uh, and here's the first choice that he made. He chose God's presence over Satan's poison. Now, remember what Hebrews says. If you're, if you're not right with God, right with your fellow man, uh, you're not going to see God. And everywhere you see Joseph, you see God blessing him and God with him. In fact, people that throughout his life, whether it was the prison guard or, or the per, people that, uh, uh, whether it's Potiphar or the prison, the, you know, he got thrown in jail because he, and we'll talk about that. He got thrown in jail for a couple of years, falsely accused of, of molesting, if you will, Potiphar's wife. He never got bitter. In fact, uh, he just, he kept, everywhere he went, people saw the presence of God on his life. And he chose God's presence over Satan's poison. Look in Genesis 39. Let's read it just for a moment. So you see, and Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites. Uh, pardon me, I said the Egyptians came by. The Ishmaelites, they sold him to Ishmael uh, that they're not even supposed to be talking to and hanging around with. They sold him to the Ishmaelites who had taken him down to Egypt. Basically, they sold him, made a little more money off of him. Uh, and the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Now, and so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Now, let me just say, you see all this that the Lord... How many of you know, uh, we give him all the credit, right? But how many of you know, Joseph was making right choices. Joseph chose the presence of God over the poison of Satan. And that's what bitterness is. It's Satan's poison in his life. Uh, in fact, uh, when he has this issue uh, with uh, Potiphar's wife, who, who said, I, I want you, I need you, I got to have you every day of the week. How many of you know, if you have some, some one of the opposite sex looking you in the eye and say, I want you, I need you, I got to have you. Uh, I guess it depends on who they are. But evidently, and she just kept after him, and he refused, of course. You know the story, how he ran, just like the Scripture says, flee youthful lust. She grabbed his coat and lied about him. And But it says he couldn't do that because he didn't want to offend God. He didn't want to run off the presence of God in his life. He had such an insight to the presence of God. He knew, man, he could have let bitterness get him. He said, no, I've got, I don't want to offend the presence of God. He chose God's presence 
over Satan's poison. It's a choice every day of our life. Am I going to choose God's presence or am I going to choose Satan's poison? I'm going to let bitterness invade my world. Number two, he chose a heart of service over a heart of sickness. And, and bitterness is a sickness. And, and you see him everywhere he goes. In fact, you know what he was doing, uh, uh, with it for his father when, when he got, when, when God, uh, 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 spoke to him this dream? He was, he was in the process of serving his father's dad said, go check on my brothers. On your brothers and see how they are. And, 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 and come back and tell me how they're doing. He was serving. He was a man of service. And, and he was just like Jesus in a lot of ways. It says this in verse 4, that same chapter. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he, that is Potiphar, made him overseer of his house. And all that he had put under his authority. Let me just throw this out. When you'll oversee your life, Others will make you overseers of their stuff. If you can oversee your life, you'll oversee a lot more things in life. If you're unfaithful with your own life, how, what does Scripture say? Uh, how do you believe? How do you think God's going to let you be uh, faithful with other people's stuff? And and Joseph was faithful with other people's stuff. He was like Jesus. And let me just throw this out. I I. I I believe it to be true. And when you're truly a servant, you just realize that's who you are. And people can treat you however they want because you're just a servant. I've said this a hundred times when it talks about servitude. People say, well, I'll, I'll serve the Lord and I'll serve the church. And then, and then somebody starts treating us like one. And they treat you like they're servants. And then you go, well, bless God. Then you know if you're really a servant, because then you start bucking up. and Because really, you're just not quite there yet because you're serving, but you're serving for, the, for, for, for maybe a, a, a false sense of, of credit somewhere along the way. But how many of you know a servant, they're, they're not looking for, for, for credit. They're just a servant, for goodness sake. And that's what Jesus was. And I think it's therapeutic to be liberated from what other people uh, uh, say or don't say or at, treat you or don't treat you. And, and, and it's just like Jesus. He, he got so far above it. He said, they just don't know what they're doing. Lord, have mercy on them. They just don't know what they're doing. How, how many of you ever got, have you got there yet when somebody just rubs you wrong and you're trying to do good and they rub you wrong and all of a sudden, man, now you just realize, man, I'd like to, I'd, li I'd like to, you realize, man, look on the inside of me. But if you're just a servant, you just, hey, it's irrelevant. It's, come on, let me just tell you. It's irrelevant what other people do or don't do or say or don't say. If you've got to that place and it's therapeutic and I think it's a little liberating. And the reason I say I think is because I don't know that I've arrived there yet. But I'm getting there. I used to want to be, you know... Uh, Hey, I'll take the, the back row. I really, uh, there was a time I wanted the front row. Now, I hey, I'll take the back row. There's a lot less, uh, there's a lot less gunfire at the back of the heat. <laughs> he chose God's presence over Satan's poison. He chose service over the sickness of bitterness and always being, you know, uh, uh, at odds with people's opinions and 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 words of 
critique in his life. Man, his brothers had a few things to say to him. Yeah. Now, this all kind of fits. Number three in Genesis 39.7, Joseph chose a long-term right relationship with God over the shirt short-term passing pleasure of sin. And this has to do with Potiphar's wife. Let me show it to you. He chose a long-term. Most people are not in it for the long haul. They are in it for the immediate, uh, what the scripture says, uh, the, you know, Abraham, it says about him in the, in the Hebrews 12, I think it is, about the, is that the faith chapter? It says he was willing, uh, to, uh, uh, choose the right relationship with God over the passing pleasures of sin. And that's what Joseph did. Look at, let me just read it to you. Genesis 39, 7. Let me show you. What a guy. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. She got right to the point, didn't she? Lie with me. But he refused. Everybody say he refused. Now I'm telling you, those three words define, but he refused. He did not entertain it. He did not think about it. He did not let it be said of us, but he refused. Everybody say, but he refused. Now, let me just throw this out before I keep reading this. If you think back to Hebrews 12, 16, when he says, let no root of bitterness spring, and cause, spring up cause many to be defiled. And then he mentions fornicators. And then Esau. Now, that word fornicator in, in Hebrew, uh, in, in, in the New Testament there, the, the kind of the, the, the rigid description is, is a prostitute or someone sells their body for money. Now, let me just throw this out to you. How many of you know, I, well, I just, I hope you don't know this, but when you think through why people do the things they do, why would anybody sell their body for money? It certainly wasn't in the beginning because of the money. It was because of some kind of low self-esteem issue, some kind of bitterness issue that got right down to the point. In fact, Robert Morris says most, I, he said he believed most fornication uh, 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 is sparked by a root of bitterness in somebody's life. I, now, I'm not going to go too deep there, but here we get, here we got Joseph. He did not entertain it, but he refused every day. Lie with me. No. Every day, lie with me. No. Every day, lie with me. No. Now, he could have said, you know what? Bless God. I deserve this. God's got me down. Hey, I'm over here, man, as a prisoner. I'm a slave. Not a prisoner, but a slave. I should be back at my daddy's house. My brother's bitterness, man, it's my time right now. I'm, hey, hey, this, and in fact, if you, he was a spiritual sinner, he would have said, God must have set this up for me. You think, you laugh, hey, you laugh. I've heard them say that. He could have, but, everybody say, but he refused. He refused, but he refused. And he said to the master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. In other words, he trusts me implicitly. There is 
no one greater in his house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. So it was that as he spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her. Everyone say he did not heed her. He did not heed her, heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went out into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and ran outside. So it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her, in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house, spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us, and she accused him, of course, of, 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 of molesting her. Now, you know what that woman was? She was a bitter woman. She had been spurned. We don't know her history. It must not be great because anybody that just take your 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 your, your servant there, who's and just boldly, blatantly lie with me, my read between the lines there, this woman had a history. She had issues. And when she was rejected, she was bitter. Are you with me? She's a bitter woman. He, hey, he chose long-term right relationship with God over the short-term passing pleasure of sin. Okay? Number four, Joseph chose to progressively get better rather than purposefully or progressively get bitter. In his life, he just chose to be better every time, everywhere he went. He made choices that, that, that promoted him and, and progressively allowed him to get better rather than to purposefully get bitter. Now, what happened to him when she spurned him? He was thrown in prison. And we know he didn't get bitter in prison. You know why we know he didn't get bitter in prison? Because he still has the prophetic unction of dreams and revelations going on in his life. You remember the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker? I don't think the candlestick maker was there. But the butcher and the baker were there and he had, they had dreams and he interpreted dreams. This man was flowing in the Holy Ghost in the middle of prison, and in there, he just said, I'm just going to keep getting better. Look at verse 20, verse 23 of Genesis 39. Look what it says. It says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with, with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all, uh, all the prisoners who, who were in the prison, whatever they did there. There, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, you can, again, once say, well, just God just blessed him. Listen, God doesn't just bless people without them lining up with the conditions to the blessing. He was a man of right choices. It's shown. That's what got him in the prison in the first place was his righteous re refusal of, of negative influences in his life. And he was the overseer of his life and he said this is not coming in my house bless God it's not coming in my heart I'm not I'm not going to be bitter against my brothers and I'm not going to be an adulterer against my 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 master's wife it ain't happening no not ever boom case closed 
He just chose to always get better and not be bitter. And let me just tell you, let me throw this out. If you are bitter, you'll never get better until you, get, if you, until you deal with bitter. You'll never get better until you deal with bitter. You deal with bitter, then you can get better. If you don't deal with bitter, you're never going to get better. Y'all got it? You got it? You think you got it? Okay. All right. He chose long-term right relationship with God over the short-term passing pleasure of sin. He chose to progressively get better rather than purposefully and progressively get bitter. And we know that bitterness just gets more bitter. Bitter never gets better. It never tastes better. It just gets more bitter. Okay. And then number five. He chose a lifestyle, and this is kind of saying it in a different way, but I want to show you something different. He chose a lifestyle of victory over a lifestyle of vindictiveness. Now, go all the way to Genesis 50. Now, this is the fun part. When under God's supernatural directive, you know now Joseph is over all of Egypt. And there was a famine. And Joseph's wisdom from God caused him in, in the times of, of, uh, of blessing, they brought in uh, just multitudes of resources for the season of famine. And that's what God used to bring the brothers to Egypt to get food. And, and so, so without going too detail, I want you to read the story. Now Joseph's 17, when he was 17 years old in this dream he had, it comes to pass. Now, look in verse 15. What are we talking about? A lifestyle of victory over a lifestyle of vindictiveness. Now, what were his brothers? They were what? They were bitter brothers. And were they vindictive? How many of you know people who are vindictive know something? Paybacks are a what? Don't say it. Right? If you're vindictive, you know I'm getting back at you, but when I least expect it, it's coming back. And these guys lived looking over their shoulder. Listen, when, you, when, when you're bitter against someone and you do them wrong like his brothers did him, you'll always be looking over your shoulder because you know paybacks come. Because, man, we, we're vindictive. We were going to kill him. They knew the, they knew the laws of vindictive land. And so it says now, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. Now, now, this, this is key here. Because as long as daddy was alive, they believed that Joseph would, with, with, because his love for his daddy. Remember, he was the favorite. And his daddy had been lied to by the other brother. And then daddy learns that his youngest son, who his favorite, is now alive. And you know, and so when daddy died, they went, ooh, this must be payback time. Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, and they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. They said, in fact, it says actually repay. That the, the Hebrew better there is fully repay. In other words, full, it's coming back on us with full force. That's what they thought. 
And so what do they do? They sent messengers to Joseph. <laughs> Little chicken livers. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, Before your father died, he commanded us saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph. This is what daddy told him to say. I beg you. And let me tell you something. Daddy, daddy knew what, what needed to happen. He said, You tell Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of your father. And when Joseph heard this, it says Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Now this is not the brothers. This is their ambassadors. And so, so they're quoting daddy for the brothers who were too scared to come because they thought vindictiveness was coming. Then his brothers also went. In other words, when word came back that Joseph is weeping, the brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Catch verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph, cho Joseph chose a lifestyle of victory over a lifestyle of vindictiveness. Let me tell you something. Vic vindictive mindset is born out of a root of bitterness and paybacks never yield any fruit of satisfaction. They just keep poisoning the system. Are you with me? Let me just tell you something about bitterness. He didn't let, Joseph didn't let his bitter brothers embitter him. And as a result, he arrived at the destiny of God for his life so that many people, including his bitter brothers. You see, God loved the bitter brothers. God loved the bitter brothers and Joseph chose not to be bitter. But bitterness unchecked. Listen, if you let bitterness take root, it will rob you of your destiny. It will rob you of your destiny. You think, you think of, of, of Esau. It says, in fact, what does it say about Esau? If you went back to Hebrews, it said, uh, he changed his mind basically and, and then he decided, I want the blessing. I want the inheritance. I want, I, I made a mistake and he couldn't find it. And man, he missed it and his destiny was undermined. In fact, uh, uh, we're talking about him today because of the terrible choices he made to let bitterness and bitter people embitter him. Wow. It'll rob you of your destiny. It'll rob you. Hey, listen, it will, bitterness unchecked will develop in you destructive aggression in your life. Did you know that? Destructive things in your life. It'll make, think of Cain. What did Cain get so bitter? What did he do? He, he, he murdered his only brother. Esau got so bitter, he just gave it all up. Just destroyed his life and others. And we're still feeling, in fact, the end of the age has to do with his wrong choices. You just have to think about that. 
We talked about it a little bit. So, chose a lifestyle of victory over lifestyle of vindictiveness. And then six, and I kind of slipped into it a little bit. He chose to see the bigger picture over the bitter poison. He chose to see the bigger picture over the bitter poison. In fact, at 17, he began to see the vision of God for his life. And let me tell you something. There's nothing that can undermine your destiny any quicker than bitterness in your life. But he had a vision from God and he didn't let it loose. He kept, he watched over his own life and he watched over. He was the overseer of his own life. And, and he did not allow, uh, his destiny to be undermined. I think of Jesus. You remember what it says of Jesus in Hebrews 12? Looking unto Jesus. Catch this. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. In other words, he had the bigger picture. And if we'll get the bigger picture about our life and God's plan for our life and realize, listen, if I don't get the bigger picture here when it comes to this temptation, this issue, this poison that that is being offered to me to drink and poison my life, it's going to mess up my life. It's going to mess up my future. And for us adults here tonight, how many of you know when your future's messed up, there's a lot of people, futures at stake. Some of them are in there being taught the Word of God right now. But their odds are slim and none, in a sense, if we don't deal with our own bitter roots. Because bitter roots always bring forth bitter fruit. Think about Esau. Remember, I told you this, it was, I think it was Genesis 28. When daddy said, don't marry these Ishmaelite Canaanite women. And Jacob didn't. And oh, and daddy was happy Jacob didn't do it. Esau, it says Esau saw that it displeased his father. So what did he do? I got to get me one of those. He was vindictive against his father. He, 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 he reacted because of bitterness just to get back at his dad. He made so many terrible choices and it's destructive. It'll derail your destiny. Jesus didn't let it. He said, hey, hey, I'm not going to let it. In fact, on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he had the bigger picture. We got to get the bigger picture about our life. And the quicker you get the picture of God's purpose and plan for your life, the, 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 the clearer it becomes within you. Uh, the more committed all of us can be about staying the course and not letting bitterness derail us of our destiny. Joseph was the antithesis of Esau, man. He arrived at the destiny of God for his life. And then finally tonight, I'm going to close. Number seven, Joseph chose to bless, truly bless his bitter brother. He, he, he truly chose to bless them. Now, look in verse 21. I, Genesis 50, 21. I purposefully didn't read it earlier. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. He's talking to his bitter brothers who think paybacks are about to come. Don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. Everybody say the little ones. I'm not going to let your little ones suffer here. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your family and your family's family. And catch this. Catch these words. 
and, and, and he didn't hold it over. And he comforted them. Now, these are huge words. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. That word kindly means he spoke to their heart. I kind of think he was looking at his brothers because he had the bigger picture. And he had mercy and compassion on them. And just like Jesus, they just didn't know what they were doing. Bless their hearts. He spoke kindly to them. Now, this is what I want to close with. You catch this. I believe when you are actually able to bless the bitter people in your life with kind words, with comforting words, with resources from your life to theirs, you've won the bitter battle. When you look at them and say, bless your heart, they just didn't know what they were doing. And all vindictiveness have gone, all grudge has gone. And I just want to bless. What did Jesus teach us in His first recorded message called the Sermon on the Mount? And let me tell you some of, some of the first words are the, some of the most important words, just like some of the last words are some of the most important words in our life. And of course, Jesus, all His words were important, but look what He says in verse 43 of Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, a chip off the old block. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Don't even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Not in speaking of perfection, but man... What's he saying here? He's saying, let me tell you something. You're going to have all kinds of opportunity to be bitter. But you bless those. Joseph blessed them. He said kind words. He comforted them. He spoke to their hearts. He provided for them. When you, the, let me, the, I'm going to say it again. The real evidence of someone who has won the bitterness battle it's when you can do those kinds of things. Amen? Now, turn quickly to Ephesians 4. We ended with it last week. We're going to end with it again. I just want you to see it. Remember what we, what we said in the beginning that it all comes down to a series of lifestyle choices? Are you with me? I want you to read this more later, but Ephesians 1 I could read a whole lot here, but let's just jump in. Oh gosh, where do I want to jump in? Verse 20. Ephesians, oh I said Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, verse 20. He says this, But you have not so learned Christ, 
if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. There's a lifestyle choice. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's a lifestyle choice. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a lifestyle choice. Therefore, putting away lying, that's a lifestyle choice. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. That's a lifestyle choice. Be angry and do not sin. That's a lifestyle choice. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. A choice. Don't give place to the devil. A choice. Let him who stole steal no more. That's a choice. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. That's a choice. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to hearers. That's a choice. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed with the day of redemption. That's a choice. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's a choice. And then he starts saying, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. And that, my friend, is a choice. It's just a series of right lifestyle choices we make that guard our heart, that help us oversee our soul as the episkopos of our own life. The overseer. You know what bitter people do? They blame everybody else. Because they didn't watch over their own soul. My mama. My dad. My brother. My boss. They did this to me. If it hadn't been for them, I would be here, there, and the other way. You know what you just said? You just pointing the finger somewhere else. Listen. It means you didn't guard your heart. You said, well, you don't know where I've been. Hey, you didn't find yourself in a pit. Your brother, uh, maybe not. Your brothers didn't sell you into slavery. Are you with me? Wow. Whew. I'm done. Everybody go, whoo. Whoo, man. Hey. It's the silent killer. Therefore, we can't be silent. Let's stand up together tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, help us be the episcopos, the episcopal over our own life. Let's look, help us to look carefully, watch diligently, and oversee our life to ensure that no root of bitterness, zero root of bitterness, springs up in our life and defiles many. Lord, search our hearts. Let me just say this while we're standing reverently before the presence of the Lord. I have to say this. Some of you, the circumstances of your life have their root in bitterness. And until you deal with the root, you'll always be experiencing the fruit. Father, we just ask You to help us begin to watch over our own soul. And to make a series of wise, godly choices. As Joseph refused to be bitter, he refused to allow Potiphar's wife to undermine the destiny of God. 
Thank you, Jesus.